0: Are you looking to take your knowledge of faith to the next level? Oh, yeah. You've come to the right place. Welcome to Post Christian Pastors, broadcasting from
1: the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The podcast hosted by four pastors as they discuss relationships, faith, pop culture, current issues, and much, much more.
0: everybody welcome to post-christian pastors thanks for joining us for another great episode here we are excited to uh talk to you again thanks for downloading us or streaming us or whatever you're doing right now listening in your car and a plane wherever you are boat. Train. Well, it's good to be with you i'm mark helsel along today with marv nelson mike arnold and skyping in himself because he's not here is who
2: John Price.
0: John Price, our long-lost member, John glad Price, who's been exiled to Skype um, for this for this episode. But we are glad you joined us for a really, really important episode here at Post-Christian Pastors. I mean, it's been uh, such a great journey for us as we've been talking about these topics over the weeks, and I hope you've downloaded the other five episodes, and there's some great topics in there. Yeah. Today we have a really important topic where we're talking about this thing called uh, hurting the poor Yep. And when you hear that You might go like What hurting the poor Who? Yeah. Who's hurting the poor Well it's people Sometimes you, who you think are. They're helping the poor I, I yeah. have And I've so like If we say Yeah I've hurt the poor So if we So if we say uh, To you And we At the beginning Of this podcast We say Are you hurting the poor By What you think is helping them, Mm. that's pretty intriguing. Mm. And we have some great guests to help us work through that and walk through that to make sure that we're helping more than we're hurting. And uh, Mark Weber is going to be with us from Poverty Incorporated, the movie, which does a great job. Uh, It's a documentary film which looks at the the incorporation of poverty, the, Hmm. the companies and the NGOs and the nonprofits and even governments who corporations who have created this kind of poverty incorporated this incorporation that basically uh, helps people who are poor, but often hurts them instead of helping them. So he's going to be with us. He's the co-producer of the film. He's going to be with us to talk about that. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. So, we're looking forward to having him on. And then, Chris Pfeiffer is going to come on. And Chris Pfeiffer runs an organization that helps people in Haiti called Espoir. And so, he's boots on the ground, right there, front line. And, and we're going to ask him those hard questions is how are you helping or are you hurting? And, and how do you make sure you're helping and not hurting? Yeah. So, we have a great show lined up. We hope that you'll, you'll stick with us today. And we're going to tackle this tough subject of hurting the poor yeah. and of poverty and how do we do what god wants us to do which is to take care of the poor so that's today you let's guys do looking it. forward to it yeah, yeah man all right let's, all right, do, it. let's do it we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back here on post-christian pastors don't go anywhere Back here on Post Christian Pastors and guys, we have a, a great show today. Really looking forward to this topic about hurting the poor and whether the things that we are doing as a church or society or uh, you know an NGO or a, a government aid, all these sure. things, whether they are, yeah, they're they're hurting the poor uh, instead of helping the poor. And uh, we've all watched the documentary that we're talking about today called Poverty Incorporated great documentary you guys enjoyed it
3: absolutely great
0: great documentary about um about if what we're doing to help in quotes is actually hurting uh the poor and keeping them poor and uh we are privileged today to have on on the line with us and have uh via skype with us today we have the co-producer of the uh, the film, Mark Weber, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about Mark before we we bring him on. Uh, he's the co-producer of the movie Poverty Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie has played in over forty international film festivals. It's been played at a hundred universities. I think that includes Harvard and Yale. So so um, some prestigious, and maybe Mark will tell us that when he comes on. But some prestigious universities, and played in over a hundred and sixty cities. Uh, Previously, Mark served as a producer on the Poverty Cure DVD series, which is an educational curriculum used in over 400 universities. Um, His bio states he's an avid traveler, and i got to ask him this. He's a graduate of the Great Books Program at Notre Dame. I have no idea what that is. I don't either. (laughs) I have
3: no idea.
0: I have no idea what that means. sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great. Whatever it is, (laughs) it sounds great. It's Notre Dame, right? So uh, we're going to welcome on Mark Weber. Mark, are you there?
4: I am. Hello, gentlemen. It's
0: great Mark, to Mark, how are you? Welcome. Where are you, where are you Skyping in from today?
4: I am Skyping in from Boston, which is where I'm based. Ah, Boston.
0: Oh, right, yeah. Fantastic. Welcome from Boston. Well, we've got to ask you, what is the Great Books Program at Notre Dame?
4: Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's really the foundation of, uh, of uh, what I really everything I've done over the past several years. Um, the Great Books Program at Notre Dame is, is kind of a classical liberal arts education. It's uh, an intensive program where you begin with the Greeks and for three years you read chronologically as many seminal texts as you can pack in. Um, The class sizes for your seminars are about eight to ten people tops and um, and it's really designed to 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 teach you how to think. Um, So you're reading everything from philosophy to mathematics, political science to um, historical literature and everything in between, and um, it, really, it really was a very challenging uh, three years for me, but it shaped a lot of how I go about um, analyzing the world around me today.
0: That's very great. cool. Well, very awesome. Now I know what it is. See,
1: I can I
4: sound smarter.
1: I thought it was a reading list.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 I sound smarter Same now that I could say, you know the Great Books program That's at Notre fantastic. Dame. Fantastic.
1: I got a friend Mark that I have graduated. A friend Mark. <laughs> he graduated from the program.
0: Well, Mark, <laughs> exactly. um we are we are excited to have you on in Great Film Poverty Incorporated and uh for those people out there who haven't seen it and uh and or even if they have kind of would you lay out for us kind of what the um the main premise of the movie is and what you are what you're really trying to get across and maybe give us a concrete example from the movie that that helps uh show what that premise is
4: yeah absolutely you know i think if you ha- if you have to boil it down or distill it into one to one statement I think it's we we look at how the fact really that that fighting poverty has become a multibillion dollar industry mm. um, that's a fact and then then and then looking at the the effects of that industry and and asking ourselves are are we accomplishing or delivering on the services that we that we say that we are providing and the effect the positive effects that we say that we're providing and um more philosophically, I think one thing we, we notice when we, when we look at the dynamics, the power dynamics involved in this industry is we really, in the West, have made ourselves the protagonists of development. We have this new field we call international development, and by definition, it's kind of this outside-in, top-down um, approach to going to other places and developing people and developing countries. And... Um, one of the themes of Poverty Inc. that we see is that sometimes these interventions, even when they're performed by sincere uh, good people, it's not just corruption that's a problem, but even when they're performed by sincere people, we can actually undermine local leadership and displace local initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see numerous examples of that across different sectors. So it's not just foreign aid or charity, we see it in in business and entrepreneurship and politics and governance. And so the film is trying to kind of start at 30,000 feet, looking at the cultural and philosophical assumptions that we have, and then going down uh, all the way down to, to, to personal stories and anecdotes of people who have been affected by these systems.
0: So so give us a concrete example of that, because I think that, you know, the person listening to this podcast right now, they're thinking, they're thinking, oh, wait a minute, wait, 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 like, we help people. That's what we do. And how can, we gave money or we did this to help. We gave aid. How How could that hurt? How could, how could giving hurt? How could doing good things actually hurt? Like give the person listening to this, which this is kind of shocking to them and, and uh, give them an example of how that's true, how that happens.
4: Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people in the Christian world uh, have read when helping hurts and um, by um, by Brian Fickert. and so I think more people are have been exposed to this um, so, so far. And I think w- one concrete example comes from um, Peter Greer of Hope International, who runs a he's a CEO of a, one of the largest, if not the largest, Christian microfinance organizations. And Peter tells a very simple. Story of um, his friend Jean in Rwanda, who had gotten a micro loan to start a uh, a small a small egg business, and he had um, bought some bought some hens and hired one or two people, and the business was starting to take off. And then on the other side of the world, a church, uh, I believe in Georgia, uh, decided, um, you know, we have to do something about. malnutrition in in rwanda after this is following the rwandan genocide of course yeah Mm -hmm. and um and they looked in their own community and said well we have you know somebody in our community who who has a poultry business and so we can we can adopt this village and send free eggs for a year and eggs are high in protein and um this this can be our way of of meeting malnutrition
0: right so a good heart right exactly with a good heart yeah
4: Yeah. and more than just a good heart they also had a positive impact in the short term on the people who received those eggs right right? point being short term though right exactly and so what's unseen um economist Frédéric bastiat has a great essay called what is seen and what is unseen what is unseen is that uh is jean and his employees and and um Unfortunately, Jean lost his business because he couldn't compete with free eggs coming into this village. Mm-hmm. Now after a year of receiving free eggs or shipping free eggs, the church you know, decided to focus its, its efforts elsewhere and kind of move on to another project. But the long-term effect on this community was that the, the investment of this, of this person and his employees w- was lost, and the ability to, pro- to, to provide eggs in that community was also lost. But then there's another unseen effect, which is the cultural impact. It's like it depresses the entrepreneurial spirit of a community when in an already risky environment, right. you, now have, you now have the threat of you know, going, going out of business. And unfortunately, we found story after story after story after story from textiles and clothing in Kenya to medical devices being manufactured by a 22-man shop in Ghana to uh, a solar panel company in Haiti, and, and just story after story of people who, um, who were striving to build wealth and, and services and products in their own communities being undermined by donations from, from, from the U.S. and other places.
1: Mark, that's, uh, that's great. This is Mike. i had got a question for you. You know, obviously the, the movie's been very successful. What's the reaction been to Poverty, Inc.?
4: Oh, you know, we've been just blown away by how the film is completely traversing the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. I think that's been the most exciting thing. You know, the first so people film, on
0: both sides of the aisle, is that what you're saying?
4: Yeah, and really on all sides. I try as right. much as possible to yeah. not think in, in a you know, binary. binary terms. Yeah, But um, to give you an you know, example of the spectrum, I mean, the, the film... First two festivals we played in were uh, one was a libertarian film festival in Las Vegas, and one was a super hippie lefty festival in in California on an old commune. And nice. The question
0: wow. is, which one was more fun?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the latter. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Honestly, honestly, um, and uh, and we won both of them. Uh, it was funny. We won the first one. We beat out. Atlas Shrugged at the liber- Libertarian. Atlas Shrugged in whatever Dinesh D'Souza's America film oh, yeah, America yeah. for the grand prize there. And then the following huh. week, we beat out uh, a film called Kidnapped by Christ for... <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> now that sounds interesting. <laughs> I probably out. should have won that one. I'm glad you beat that one out.
4: Um, and then, you know, since then, the, the film was endorsed by Michael Moore, uh, wow. the filmmaker, and then it won Speaking. a $100,000... Prize from um, the Atlas Network, uh, the Templeton Freedom Award, which is which is uh, stewarded by a libertarian organization. And then uh, you you know you referenced the educational. We, we've been really really encouraged by the, the by students. Um, Harvard, I think, leads the way with the number of student screenings they've done. Ten at all the different wow. schools: the business school, the law school, the school of education, the school of public health, the college. Um, all student-organized, um, ranging from 50 to t- over 200 people. Their average. Since I live here in Boston, I've I've gone to most of them for to give Q and A's, and the average Q and A's last 45 to 75 minutes wow. after a 91-minute film. And um, you know, systems come development is a complex system. It's not. Um, right. It's each of these different countries have, have have economies and sub sub economies and cultures and subcultures. There's all these different dynamics in play. Change doesn't happen because we change a law or change a leadership or you know, it really happens incrementally. And so when we see students and young people, the leaders of tomorrow, especially at these top institutions like Harvard and MIT and Yale and Columbia, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that's, that's really encouraging because that's when you start to see um, that, that incremental change really start to take hold.
3: Mark, let me uh, ask you a question. I I mean, I work on a university uh, campus, obviously, at the University of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon University. And, you know, for a lot of millennials and college students, helping is kind of chic, like it's in. There's this, I'm going to travel to this place, and I'm going to take a, a Facebook profile picture, and it's going to change the world, and I only go for a week. And, uh, you know, what, what do you say to to students like that? I'm sure, I'm sure this really rocks their world, knowing that some of the things that they've been doing are not helpful or are actually hindering. And so when you take a millennial who has this passion to really help, but... Um, you know, it's kind of misplaced in some of these ways where it's kind of, I'm going to go for the experience of helping rather than for the consistency of, of really working something in that's going to last. What is it at these Q&As or, or what is it that you say to them when they ask that type of question? What, How do you answer that for the millennial? Because there is this passionate desire to help, um, but, but I think, as you've stated in the film and in other places, um, that it's just misplaced.
4: Well, the first thing I say is is that uh, I've been there. You know, this isn't this isn't a point the finger film. It isn't a film like, oh, you guys are doing screwing everything up, and we're we're on some high perch. You know, it's the the project that we want to invite people to is is one of introspection and humility, and and um, and I think it starts with a learning mindset. So instead of going to these different countries and. With a service mindset or a development mindset or I'm That's going great. to fix things mindset, right? You know, go go places with a learning mindset, That's and I think that it would really change the way that we're received. It would change the way that we go about our work. Um, I also think, by the way, that <clears throat> um, when we think about this project of of human flourishing and 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 we think about what can I do as a person and in Pittsburgh or in Boston, I think we have to be really careful about not romanticizing these faraway exotic places, so much so that we end up overlooking people in our own communities who who we could really be in meaningful relationships with. And I think one of the themes that's not explicit in the film, but it's definitely threaded throughout is is the importance of relationship of really seeing the person and not just a cause not just an issue of yeah. seeing a person that's good And so um and i and i i'll tell you a quick story of my own you know the, you don't just learn this one time and then move on it has to be a daily introspection and even while making this film we were in you know we were in haiti and we were shooting um in a tent city and uh and uh, people do not like white people in Haiti. People do not like to see white people with cameras uh, mm. filming them. They they feel this objectification um, mm. that is really very prevalent in a lot of the way the ways that we cover poverty and and fundraise for poverty. There's a certain objectification involved in it, and they feel mm. it. I had a rock thrown in my direction actually um, while filming, and. Uh, i was I was confronted uh several times by um by people who who were very angry that we were filming there, and so we would take time and we would we would explain no we 're telling a different story we're telling uh, we're we're turning this 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 narrative that you are um protesting on its head we're we 're flipping the argument and people would really appreciate that and they would take us around That's but great. even just minutes later. You know, I I, I I see this kid, and I'm uh, my co-producer, Anielka, takes this picture of me with this cute little kid and a tattered T-shirt, and he's like touching my chin. And I see this picture, and the first thought when I see the the, the picture is, oh, I'm Facebook, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so I put it up on Facebook, and then the next morning, and I watch as the I refresh the page a shameful amount of times you know and watch feels the, good
1: doesn't it mark feels the, really
4: likes skyrocket and all of a sudden i was actually reading this book by peter greer at the time the spiritual danger of doing good hmm. wow and um and i just looked at it and i realized you know i don't even know this kid's name i'm just cashing in on all the social capital i get yeah. from being an independent filmmaker in haiti mm. and,
3: and i think that that's part of you know, as I interact with students and, and we talk about going on mission trips or working with certain things, that, that, that's kind of the, the toxic nature, I think, of charity in that process where, you know, we, we take pictures of it, we, we document it, uh, and we want people to like it. Like, I challenged my students. We went to Dominican Republic because I have a connection with a ministry down there, and uh, I said, I don't want you to take any pictures and put any of this on Facebook. And they about had a conniption. Because mm-hmm. they were like, well, no, no, I want people to know what I'm doing. I said, you're not doing it so you could show people what you're doing. You're doing it to help the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was quite a, uh, <laughs> a difficult uh, break Mar- for them. But once it was done. Marv's not well liked. No. No, but once, but once it was done, they saw, wow, like, I am, I'm very appreciative that, that I didn't do that and miss the opportunity of being with the people rather than exploiting the people. Right, John. John, yeah. do you have a question?
2: I do. Yeah, Mark. Uh, this is John, and um, you know, I think in the in the in the film, and you know, even if we're just honest with ourselves, you know, uh, it's something that you mentioned in the book when helping hurts, and I think it's talked about in there as well that kind of we create systems in our uh, express our beliefs, our cultures, and our own image. We, you know, we create systems economically, politically, religiously, socially. Um, how do you, as you were as you've been around the world, and as you kind of, you know, put this uh, film together, are um, there any any examples or any things that you've you've seen where, like you say in the film, most of us are are trying are doing this out of a out of a good heart, right? I mean, even in everybody you mentioned, have you seen those? That, that
4: take place, and do you have an example of that that uh, comes to mind? It's actually the opposite. We actually create systems that are different than ours, and oh, really? this okay. is kind of one of the. This is what kind of one of the great ironies. I, I'm blanking on the speaker, but he, one of the gentlemen we interviewed, he said, the the West have built certain institutions and and, econ- and a certain economy for themselves, and yet they're hell bent on. Um, creating a completely different one for everyone else. We tend to use the developing world as a laboratory for experimenting with new ways of, you know, u- new utopian concepts or different systems that we don't actually have here. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> and in some ways, we we don't really practice the golden the golden rule. So we could we can talk about that um, in economics. We can talk about it in charity. Um, for, for this audience, I think it would be interesting to talk about. Um, the way we address orphans in other countries, which is which is a powerful is mm. a powerful chapter of the film called "Power to the Parents."
2: Yeah,
0: that's yeah that, that was sad part that, of the movie. I mean, hearing that, you know what I think in the movie it says eighty percent of the orphans in Haiti are not yeah. orphans.
4: Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, that blew that, my mind. Yeah. More
0: economic
1: orphans. Then
0: yeah, lack poverty of orphans. Poverty. That was that was shocking.
4: Yeah, and it's a good example of. You know our own our own mindset making the film going in with a learning mindset. We didn't know that when we set out to make this film. We we discovered it because we were looking for these kind of these unintended consequences, unseen effects um and we 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 discovered this yes that you know a, a lot of children have living parents um and and are slated for um put in institutional care for a number of reasons and some of those reasons are incentives that we put in place. That um, where we basically come in, you know, there's a Corrigan Clay says it really well in the film. He says, you know, if I were, and this is, goes to the, to the to the absence of the golden rule, rather than you know actually permeating our put, putting forth our own systems. He says, if I were in a financial crisis, if I lost my job and I could not care for my children, and some person from another country were going to come in and say hey, we have a solution for you. We will take your child, and we'll make sure they have school and books and food and opportunity and everything they need. Just, But they're not going to be your child anymore. We'll take them and put them in this house. You can visit them if you want. You don't have to, yeah. but we'll take them away. It sounds is like human trafficking. Solutions? Yeah, is that the solution that you would want? <laughs> and Corrigan no. says... No, I, I would like help getting a job so I can take care of my own kid. Right, I, right. like, I
0: don't want to lose my children. Right.
4: Exactly. And yet, unfortunately, oftentimes in the way that we go about um, uh, orphan, orphan care in other countries, the, adoption is the first uh, option instead of the last right. Um and sometimes it is appropriate to d- adopt. We know this, and it's very important. And right. back to Corrigan and Shelley in the film, they are adoptive parents. Yeah, I think too. But two, they also emphasize that it's the, it should be the last resort. That family preservation, keeping the family intact, has to be the first uh, step. As long as that you know, as long as that family, uh, you know, as long as there's no abuse or anything mm-hmm.
0: like that. In the film, uh, you guys, you you talk about how you know countries don't develop by aid uh they develop by trade and innovation but but in these undeveloped companies there is this kind of constellation of entities that are giving aid from uh aid agencies to corporations to governments social entrepreneurs celebrities charities NGOs they all kind of make up this global poverty industry thus poverty inc and so you have all these aid people but you are making the statement in the movie that countries don't develop by aid but they develop by trade and innovation and so my question to you is what is the what has been the response from the these aid industries to your movie and and in the movie you kind of you kind of not went after that's not the right term but but just for argument's sake, kind of pointed out like a a Tom shoes, which yeah. I think might have been shocking. There's the, a backside to these yeah.
1: solutions that are
0: that are not good. It might have right? been shocking to people to be like Tom shoes. Wait, wait, Tom, I I bought a, ten <laughs> pairs of Tom shoes. I, we, I have a pair. Yeah, and I almost wore them today. Or actually, you know, and I, we were joking before we came on was like Bono. Bono's like one of my heroes. Yet Bono in the film, it's not that he comes off bad, but he but he comes off a sense of like he's part of this aid incorporated uh and so you know so again back to my question what's been the response to the movie from those kind of organizations have they come back at you with with uh hatred or have they come back to you with dismissing you or what what's can, been kind of the response to the movie from them
4: um we've seen we've seen some some defensiveness from from some people um bono not one of them actually. I, Bono uh, has seen the film, and we're we're told by his people that he agreed with the critique of the Christmas song, which <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. kind of hard to disagree with. Yeah, yeah. Africa
0: ago. has no snow and no water yes. and right. no rain. Also, we who grew up in the '80s, you know, we we heard that song a million times. I'm Let's, let's
3: let them know it's Christmas time because they have no idea. That's yeah, what, <laughs> I live in Pittsburgh.
1: That's what everyone thinks Cleveland is like.
4: <laughs> well, that's
1: actually
3: true. That's yeah. not true. Yeah. It is so. True. So, Bono's people
0: said that he agreed with the critique in the movie.
4: Yeah, we 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 hear that he shares enormous common ground. Um, so we were really encouraged by that. You know, other there's some other people who I won't name who who have been a little more on the defensive side. Right. But you know, the, our spirit is not to. We have to use real life examples because right. we live in the real world. But right. our 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 point is not to. Tear down individuals, but we do have to bring attention to to examples that we can learn from, that we can take bigger um, bigger lessons from. And sometimes those involve uh, Tom's Shoes as an example. You know, Tom's Shoes. You know that the model. The bigger problem is not that their shoe giveaways or shoe drops is is literally single handedly destroying local economies. Um, however, they have give an incredible ideological weight to this idea that it is a good thing to ship a whole bunch of stuff to poor countries right? and yeah. on a sustained basis. Yeah. And, um, and that is, that's a really dangerous problem. Not only economics, not only in terms of economics, but in terms of culture. And, and, just, into,
0: and just so you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like you were attacking people in the movie at all. Um, I think you were pointing out, I think you were going
1: after the system, yeah, um, which right. there's there's economic well, implications of that going after the system. When
3: well, right? you and you specifically said too in the film that the the most dangerous piece was that you're saying we're going to give uh, these shoes to these people for life. There's this expectation that they're going to need it. Uh, for life and that we're not going to help them climb out and develop their own mm-hmm. shoes, but we're going to keep them dependent upon us. And I think that that's one of your main points is the industry of charity creates culture of dependence.
4: Let me just go back one moment to, sure. to make one flick clarification. Um, trade and innovation are certainly important. If we understand them properly, especially trade, I think there's a lot of different philosophies on trade and, and, you know, you hear, you hear, you know the donald trump and bernie sanders i think should be running on the same ticket because
0: (laughs) that would be interesting
4: (laughs) in many ways they have a they have a zero sum same trade philosophy which is a zero sum if we win if 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 china wins we lose you know it's a win-lose uh relationship rather than a win-win relationship theoretically all trade should be win-win it should be mutually beneficial Problem is we have all kinds of market distortions, some of which we, we, we look at in the film, things like agricultural subsidies, uh, trade, rigged trade agreements, uh, aid agreements that end up uh, benefiting um, uh, corporations with political ties as opposed to corporations uh, based on merit. or we have bans against purchasing uh, relief aid locally to support local economy because essentially a lot of uh, aid is an American jobs program, you know, or an American stimulus. So these things all matter, and it's important, I think, when we, when we talk about solutions and what is the right direction to move in, that we don't allow ourselves to be oversimplistic to say that it's just trade and innovation or capitalism right. or any of those things. The project of human flourishing does involve the economy, and the economy, the bricks and mortar, the bricks of the economy may be, may be uh, businesses, but there's also mortar, there's civil society, there's institutions of justice, there's culture. All of these things factor into how we create um, a flourishing society that is more than just uh, dollars and cents. And so, I think it's important to, to not have a limited horizon um, of economics when we talk, while at the same time having an appreciation for how economics affects our daily daily life and interaction with each other.
0: Right, because you said in the movie that you know we weren't going to get these people were not going to get out of poverty unless also there was like justice in the courts, and, yeah. and that they had the rule of law. And it was, it was fascinating to me that in the film, you know, the, the statement was made that two-thirds of the world doesn't have the rule of law.
4: Exactly. And that's where we have to talk about the ecosystems in which people are operating here, not just what people lack and how we can give it to them. So, so much of the poverty conversation, and if you ever hear somebody up on stage saying, if we just raise X billion dollars or X trillion dollars, <laughs> we could end extreme poverty by 2020. It's not true. Let's just assume that a 100% was spent wisely. Yep. It still would not work that way because right. institutions can't be purchased. They're, they're grown. You know, they, these, these things are they're not, they're not just built overnight and, they, and they're not just built by having enough money or paying the right people. If we're talking about poverty and flourishing, And human flourishing, we can't just have this little imaginary compartment that we call charity and foreign aid, as if that's where all the good stuff is should be happening. It's like we have to talk about our whole culture, our whole economy, our whole, all of our engagements, political engagements, um, uh, engagements that involve conflict, engagements that involve trade. So, Mark,
1: I got a quick question for you too. How can the average person help? You know, if the aid system is not a long-term solution for it, how can the average person who's listening actually be part of the solution?
4: Well, it depends on what uh, your passions are. When, I, when I, um, I think one of the things mm-hmm. we actually we have to, the first thing we have to get away from is this idea that there is this singularity. Mm-hmm. Just there, I don't actually believe in average people. I believe in unique people and pe- unique people. Marv are unique is pretty talents. average. Um,
3: <laughs> I get razzed on every.
0: He's the show. young guy here. He's the youngest one, so we pick on him. Uh, so go ahead, he's, sorry.
1: He's better than average.
4: No, I. I this is wa- what his that, wife says. Um, you know, when I when I when I graduated from high school, my mother gave me this this great quote from Aristotle, and it read, um, "Where your talents and the needs of the world cross, there lies your vocation." Hmm. First thing we have to do is is each say, okay, to ourselves, what, what are my talents? What are my skills? And now, looking around me, how can I create value for people? Now, mm-hmm. some people might be able to create value uh, by working in the government sector. Some people might be able to create value by, by um, um, in, in, in business or in entrepreneurship. So other people might say, you know, my value is in, is in uh, pastoring other people, and, and which is more of the non-profit space no but but that, that creating value for people i think is the project and 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 of of creating a better world now to answer your question more concretely because i know that, i know that's a little
1: 30, yeah the average the person feet.
4: yeah so i think that one of the things that we can do is um, let's 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 talk about if we're if we're considering donating money if i'm if i'm if i'm agonizing over okay you I've see wanted, a need.
0: You I've want to do something. i Poverty
4: Inc. and now I'm worried that like some of the organizations I might be donating to are are might be having a neg- negative effect. What do I do now? I think that taking that time to pause and and really question is is and learn is is an important first step. I think that the next important step is to decompartmentalize our charitable ethos. So right now we have this idea that. Over here in this compartment of donating to charities is where I give back to the world. This is where I do good. This is where I do service. The rest this is, is for me. This is where I have meaning. Where And everything else is kind of everything else. Yep. And I think that we need to extend our that ethos, that, that drive on our hearts to, to, to make the world a better place throughout all of our daily activities and all of our daily purchases. So instead of just agging over what, Non profits do I want to support with my charitable dollars, um, and then meanwhile, going and buying the cheapest possible t shirt I can find without a thought of how it was made, well, maybe I can instead say you know i 'm going to be willing to spend a little bit more money for a company whose supply chain values mirror my values, who treats its people and its customers and its and its suppliers. Um, with the dignity that they deserve
1: so mark Uh, mark real quick would our purchasing power be as powerful is it as powerful to change the world as our donation
2: oh it's much more powerful i agree so mark that sounds like that sounds like a lot of work right because most of us we just want to feel good right we want to just give give money or maybe give some time to an organization we don't really want to have to think about (laughs) you know that process um but you're saying that we we really have to
4: yeah. Well, you know, I think that I think it's, you have to, to be an optimist, you have to believe in incremental change. And I don't think it's possible today to, to buy 100% of your products uh, from companies that are completely transparent and ethical with their supply chains. Sure. However, I do think that increasingly companies are competing for your dollars based on that. And you, most of us listening to this, you probably have a supercomputer sitting in your pocket. <laughs> and a quick little Google search, um, you'd be shocked at how much that can reveal. I mean, last time I had to buy a jacket and then a water bottle, and then um, uh, the clothes I'm wearing now actually um, i I've been, I've been incrementally uh, and gradually trying to, to to switch out everything that I own for to reward to, to buy from companies that are willing to tell me a little bit about their supply chains to reward and quote unquote vote for those companies.
0: So Mark, how does um, you come at this as a follower of Jesus? How does your faith uh, inform uh, your work and what you're doing with this film? And, and how does it inform your view of this whole thing of poverty? When you, when you see it through the, the lens of a follower of Jesus Christ, how do you, uh, w- what does that do for you? How do you, how does it affect how you approach this issue?
4: That's a great question um, you know in, in our discussions internally with the film we talked about um, you know what we're if we're questioning philosophical assumptions and, and some of the fundamental assumptions of the system what what are um, what are better um, assumptions to begin with what are better starting points and the starting point that, that we find is that we, we have this tendency to, to um, to objectify the person in poverty, to view them as the other, to, yeah. to turn the poor into the objects of our charity, of our sentimentality, of our humanitarianism. And in doing so, we actually cheapen the word charity. Um, so, the, the project of, of Poverty Inc. and of, of our discussions following Poverty Inc. is not to disparage charity, but rather to, to, make, to attempt uh, to, call, to make a call to redeem it. Um, when we look at charity and the, the root word caritas, this is a Latin translation of, of agape, um, of agape love. And we think about deep, more deeply what that word love means. Um, the, the Italians have a beautiful way of expressing it. They say, ti voglio bene, or I will your good. There's so many people in this country who, who um, you know, they may not be materially poor in the same ways that somebody in the poorest village outside in rural Guatemala is but there but but we can, especially as Christians we cannot take an overly materialistic approach to poverty we have to we have to understand human flourishing in a deeper sense and and, and there's a lot of opportunities around us to come into relationship with people to help people understand and 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 and, and appreciate and affirm their, their dignity and their destiny
0: awesome well uh hey mark we really appreciate you being with us today and we believe this is such an incredible uh film and it and it sheds a spotlight on something that really needs uh the the light on it so we want to we want to say to you shamelessly promote where everybody can see this where where can they see it uh watch it How can they interact with it? I know you're coming to Pittsburgh very soon, uh, so please, please fire away. Tell us where they can see it, how they can come and interact with it, all those things.
4: Oh, thanks, guys. We appreciate that. Um, Yeah, we're working hard to travel as much as we can, and I'm looking forward to coming to Pittsburgh. Um, Beyond that, the film is available on iTunes and Amazon and a whole bunch of other platforms if you have, um, I can't remember which channels, but uh, check your TV on demand. Uh, it may be on there. It's on DVD, of course. The website and looks then, great, um, too. PovertyInc.com? Yep. Or .org. Yep, is the website. And, and, and when uh, are you
0: coming to Pittsburgh? And I know people listen to this from all over the United States. I think we've been listened to so far in all, but like 17 states in the United States. So they might be coming to a place near you. But I know you are coming to Pittsburgh. So when are you, when are you headed over here to the Berg?
4: Yep, I'll be in Pittsburgh on May 13th at Northgate Church. And uh, the information on the screening uh, you, and RSVP you can find through our website as well or through our Facebook. And then for people listening who, who are affiliated with churches or high schools, universities or libraries, we have uh, ways to order uh, to organize screenings and we have an educational edition, which if you buy it, School get, can have unlimited screenings on campus for course integration and otherwise, and um, and we have some great distributors who are who will help you with that as well. So, uh, you know, it's all about uh, incremental change, and, and, and Poverty Inc is, is is one resource that that uh, people are people are using, and uh, and we're really committed to being available to you guys to uh, to to really drive the conversation forward. And there is more information on our website, by the way. We have a whole filmmaker Q&A section where we transcribe a lot of our interviews. There's videos of us talking about this in more depth. There's a take action section, which has some information on that algorithmic approach that I was discussing. Um, And so we encourage you guys to, to continue the conversation.
0: Very Thank cool. You. Well, thanks, Thank you Mark. So much. Thanks for being with us, and keep up the good work. Keep the good fight.
4: Hey, thanks for doing yeah. what you guys do to create interesting conversations online. We appreciate it.
0: Very yeah, cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, we'll be Mark. back here uh, real soon on Post Christian Pastors. Don't go anywhere. Stick with us. Back, we, we are. are on post Christian pastors. How are you guys doing? The great conversation there with Mark.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was good. what do you
0: think? I mean, I mean, it's a big topic to talk He's a about. smart dude, he, he is, is very a smart, smart dude. He is he
3: graduated a, from
0: that program of that books, smart books program. <laughs> it was great yeah, he, was, he was awesome, he was awesome. And you know, I it's a question that I think a lot of people. They, they want to help. They yeah. have a good heart. Yep. Um, yep. They think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And, but then you realize that we've kind of set up a whole system that kind of keeps poor people poor. And might not help them at all, and yep. um, and so I think I think a lot of people don't think system systemly is that a right word? Yeah, Syst- yeah, systemly, But they they just think about systemically. There you go. But they just think about just like simple like what I'm doing. Yeah, and okay. and it's an individualistic thing, and and I think he challenged us to think a little bigger. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So good stuff, good stuff. Well, our next guest, um, I've had the privilege of knowing like 20 years. Well, maybe a privilege uh, <laughs> for knowing <laughs> the last 20 years. But no, he's a good friend of mine. He's a good guy. And he's a great person to kind of carry this conversation to the real concrete. Uh, his name is Chris Pfeiffer. And Chris is uh, one of the original founders of Espoir, which uh, which is a which is an organization that does work in Haiti. And uh, it is a nonprofit organization that fights the root causes of poverty and tries to empower the people of Haiti. Uh, by the way, Espoir means hope in, in Creole, in, in, in Haitian Creole. And uh, I've, been, I've been in Haiti a little bit. I was there six months after the earthquake with a couple of foundations to try to help out. But but Chris has lived this for years, has a heart for the people of Haiti. Mm. He's on that boots-on-the-ground version of being right there yeah. uh, trying to help. And I'm sure he has a lot to say. He's actually helping bring this film, Poverty Incorporated, to Pittsburgh. And uh, I think he'll have a lot to say to us. He works for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. He's worked in nonprofits for about the last 15 years. So he's, he's been in that world. So he knows a lot. He knows what's going on. So... Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, my friend Chris Pfeiffer. How you doing?
5: Hey Mark, how, good to be with you guys
0: uh, We're great, glad to have you And uh, excited to talk to you about uh, what the work that you do in Haiti And you're a good Pittsburgh boy Yeah, Chris, yeah. <laughs> Chris Pfeiffer yeah. is Pittsburgh that's I mean, right. if, you know, if you know Chris Pfeiffer, he is Pittsburgh He's, When I
2: think Pittsburgh, I think Chris Pfeiffer That's
0: true <laughs> He has a I Steelers <laughs> tattoo on his bicep, it's beautiful I saw that the other day <laughs> Yes so Chris, uh, just tell us a little bit about um espoir and and what it does and why you chose haiti like what what got into your heart about haiti
5: Sure, yeah, um a few friends of mine um got together um i've been work I've been traveling to Haiti since two thousand and seven. Um, with a group that you know, Mark, the Pittsburgh uh, Kids F- Foundation, yeah. um, who's Great been doing group. a lot of work there. So I, I went in 2007. I went in 2008. Um, I lived in Haiti for two months in 2009, um, and then in 2010, I was, you know, I, I, as I was transitioning out of my work uh, there with, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Kids. I still had this burning desire to do to do more uh, to do more in Haiti. So I got together with some like-minded friends, and we said, "Hey, let's you know let's uh, let's take a, let's take a run at this. What it looks like uh, to help our friends? You know, we had been traveling to Haiti all you know all of us, and had some pretty uh, deep relationships with some folks and some people that really mattered to us. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, we got together. We kind of created the you know the you know the five hundred one C three, and you know all all of us have. Day jobs, we all, you know, have families and different things going on. We all do this uh, completely, vo- kind of volunteer, on, you, know, you know, on the side. Um, so we, you know, we d- put the paperwork through and we just uh, – we started really with, with a medical bend because our, our, um, our president is a uh, nurse practitioner. Okay. And um, we supported. you know, she had been supporting a doctor on the ground there named uh, Dr. Eugene Macklin, who's just a wonderful Haitian man with a huge heart doing incredible things uh, in Cap-Haitian Haiti. Um, so we started kind of with that bend. And as we kept going, we kept coming across uh, some different projects, some different people that um, we kind of want, wanted to help. So um, currently we have four main projects uh, one is Dr. Macklin. He has a hospital and a, and a medical clinic, so we're kind of walking alongside him. We do me- medical trips. We have what we call the Peace and Joy uh, Family Project, uh, which is 23 children and their families, and that could be its own podcast,
3: <laughs> yeah. the things
5: I've learned through that process. And that, yeah. that's why P- Poverty Inc. really um, resonated w- with me. Uh, We have a Haitian farmer that we're uh, trying to kind of get off the ground who has a dream of a farm and teaching people to farm and teaching people about the land and ultimately sharing the gospel with them. And then we have a tourism business uh, of a friend of mine who just likes – it likes to show people the country show hey, people the you know show people the uh, beautiful side of Haiti
3: hey Chris let me ask you a question as I mean some of these are, are, are kind of obvious how you are doing this but as a whole how do you empower the people of Haiti and not just give aid I mean we, we were talking with with uh, with Mark about the the, the crushing um, weight of what it has been doing just giving aid and, and causing dependency and not really empowering the people
5: yeah we've you know we've learned some hard lessons over the years um mm. we um you know the things that they spoke of you know you know that you speak of in that movie were things that you know i mean i used to try to bring clothes and shoes and you know we used to just kind of get food to you know and those some, some things are okay and great but it doesn't it's not solving the you know the main problem so we've a lot of our work is based on the relationships that we've built with our friends there you know we you know yeah. we call them friends so I'll give you you know example my friend Franz who um grew up at you know an orphanage that I served at and became a good friend of mine and he's you know he's in his mid-20s a real smart bright kid good kid um and he had a you know we, he had been serving with us as a translator on teams and you know, lining up vehicles and different things, and, you know, one, one trip we were chatting, I said, you should, you know, you should consider doing this as a business, and, you know, the light bulb kind of went off, and he said, yeah, let's, you know, let's let's go after that, so I've been kind of walking alongside him as a, you know, as a mentor and a friend, um, you know, we give him some seed money for an office, and, you know, worked on a website for him, and now he runs a tourism business. And there's a lot of teams that actually pass through Cap Haitian from Pittsburgh and he's linking them up with, you know, translators and taking them to the beach and just, 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 just working, you know, working like he has a job, does which is great. So it comes down to knowing the folks. It comes down to a lot of trust. Um, Yeah. Just logging a lot of miles. Um, It takes a lot to kind of move the needle. It takes a lot of, a lot of effort. Um, and, and, you know, there is a lot of, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's knowing the people and, 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 it's just having those deep friendships, um, you know, and wanting the best, uh, for them. And it's really comes down to their, you know, to their, to their, to, you know, to their ideas and what they want to do not what we think is best for them. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a slow, it's kind of a slow grind.
1: So Chris, this is Mike. How are you doing? Good. Good. Hey, I got a question for you? Uh, say someone's a part of a church, or maybe even an individual that wants to go on a, a like a short-term trip to a country like Haiti, uh, is, is it helpful for them to go or to give, or is there another way that they can help with the issue of poverty?
5: Yeah, that's a great question, and a lot of our um, you know a lot of our philosophy now and our thoughts go go around, around through a book called uh, "When Helping Hurts" by uh, Steve Cool. Corbett.
0: Yeah, it's been brought um, up a few times today.
5: Yeah, so that's yeah. so we, you know, we landed on that a couple of years ago and it, it really sat well with us and they, you know, they pose that question there like, you know, it's, you know, it's challenging because yeah, if you take a group of 10 to Haiti, that's a, you know, that's a 20 20,000 to 25,000 thousand dollar trip. Well, you know, couldn't it just be great just to send that money? So, um you know, I've, I've wrestled with that one, um, too. So, you know, I like to teach, teach people to, you know, I'm, I mean, I like to take people to Haiti for, they can see it, but take them with the expectation that this isn't poverty tourism. This isn't, you right. know, us, you know, looking down on them. It's no, let's, let's, let's go with, you know, these fresh eyes and, 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 just a new perspective on how we can walk alongside our friends, how we can, help them reach their kind of goal, you know, goals and dreams. So, yes, I think they should go, but I think they need to have the right mindset and the right, right, the right connections. And they need a, you know, I one guy we heard from on this last trip who had been in Haiti for 10 years, he said, you know, you don't go to Haiti, at, you know, um, without a, you know, without an idea of working 10 to 15 years in one place. Cause that's what, that's really what it takes to kind of raise the bar and to build friendships and to build that trust so it's
3: like they say in the film you want to teach people to fish you don't want to just keep giving them fish
5: sure sure yeah even you know even recently because i you know i kind of keep a pulse on some things going going on in haiti there's a huge thing now you know if you if you watch poverty inc they talk about you know a lot about the rice um you know the rice uh market in the 90s that you know america kind of ruined that and just Recently, um, USAID is actually planning to um, ship a ton of peanuts to Haiti because there seems to be a, a plethora of peanuts. We got um, a lot of nuts. Yeah, we got <laughs> a America lot of
0: America has a lot of nuts.
5: <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> but, um, you know, and on paper that may sound like a great idea, but, you know, the funny thing is peanuts is one of the things that they can grow in Haiti. They, you know, they make, they call it mamba, and they can make, pe- you know, so something hmm. like that could crush an entire market. Mm. Um, put people things, out of work. You know, yeah, yeah. Put people out of work. I mean, why would you buy, you know, peanut butter if someone's gonna give it to you for free? So, um, so it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just kind of having the right, you know, the right mindset, and, um, you know, we're not the fixers here. You know, we're not the, sure. you know, the white sa- saviors coming in, and it's kind of, you know, what, but it's, yeah, it's hard, you know, and and I've taken a lot of different folks to Haiti. I've been to. Haiti, 80, 25 times in the past seven years. And I've taken people who have, who have gone and keep coming back. And I take, taken people who've made promises that I, you know, you know, that I had to keep, you know, so, so, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so that, you know, so now I'm, you know, I'm a little more edgy or true, you know, truthful with folks when they go, I said, no, if you're going to come, you're going to, you're, you're going to look for ways to give back. Not, you know, you know, you're not going to take your, uh, you know, your selfie with a Haitian orphan and change, right. you know, change your, you know, your Facebook, uh, you know, your Facebook photo for a week and say, oh, look, look at me. You know?
1: so, Chris, let me ask you a quick question here. Mark Weber from Poverty Inc. Uh, in our last segment was talking about one of the, the benefits of going to a country like Haiti is that you learn uh, from the Haitians. You'll learn from uh, people in other countries. Um, what have you learned from your trips to, to Haiti?
5: Wow, that's great. Um, you know, I'm I've been blessed to go a couple times a year. It always kind of sets um, resets my perspective on you know on life and what matters and and you know how you know how blessed uh, I am and how I can continue to be you know to be a blessing. You know, and and I continue to learn that. You know, relationships matter. You know that's true, and hey, that's true in here. But you know, to walk, you know, to walk alongside someone in life, and encourage them, and to love them, and and to say, you know, we got this. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to help you figure out your business. I'm going to rally some people around you. um You know, I've learned that those those are those are the things that really make a difference. You know, so um you know, trying to live an you know authentic life and have authentic friends um you know is, is, is you know is what i've taken from a lot of my trips um mm-hmm. and you know also sh- also i've learned through haiti that you know haiti's a, it's just a beautiful country um you know i could you know i could blindfold you guys and we could i could plop you down on a beach and you'd walk out and you know in haiti and you wouldn't know if you're in cancun jamaica or haiti you know but haiti has has you know they've had a uh, kind of a bad rap and they they've had a lot of challenges um you know in their founding and then you know you think of the earthquake you think of hurricanes and um, you know cholera and chikungunya and zika it's i like, had
0: that <laughs> cholera so, yeah. no, really? chikungunya, Chicken
5: chikungunya, yeah. but uh I so did. yeah they you know they've they, they you know they face their challenges um but you know, but some of the the friends I've made there are lifelong friends, and you know, even our friend Dr Eugene is just an amazing man. he's an amazing you know Haitian doctor that has a love you know a love for his people, and he's currently building a hospital that will serve you know um thousands of people in an area that people wouldn't typically have care, so to find a man like that that you can trust and is you know doing things the right way. And doing it how he wants to do it. It's not, you know, it wasn't our, you know, you know, our idea to build a hospital. It's, you know, it's his. And he said, okay, how can we partner with you? Um, and, you know, those are the things we're, you know, we're trying to do.
3: I think that's awesome.
2: Hey, hey Chris, this is John. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, it's pretty clear that, um, that Americans in particular give a lot of money to aid organizations, to charities that do work overseas um and as you watch poverty inc you start to wonder well should i give you know should should i be giving money to these organizations and as someone who uh who is directing uh an organization like espua like how do you how do you answer that question and i mean uh, do you say yeah just give us all the money that you can or do you (laughs) you, you, yeah that
5: you know that's hard because if you you know if you you know i've listened to Another podcast a few years ago that kind of tackled this and said, man, if you sit too long in this helping hurts mindset, if you sit there and you dwell on it too long, you kind of throw your hands up and say, well, I'm just not going to help. Sorry. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything so it's good to know this it's good to hear it you know the stuff in men helping hurts and poverty it's stuff i i've learned the hard way and stuff i wish i would have learned you know four or five years ago that's why i'm such a champion of it now and you know br- bringing in this movie for more people hear about it and it just opens their eyes and gives them a new perspective um you know i you know people still need to give you know we still need funds to do projects and um uh, you know, it's just knowing. You know, what's what's unique about our nonprofit is, you know, we don't have a ton of overhead, so you know, we're able to, you know, give money directly to those projects. You know, so um,
2: you know, it's I not think about if you're not giving, it's just be more uh, careful on where you give. Yeah,
5: more, yeah, yeah, more prudent, and more. You know, there's a there's a lot of those kind of horror stories. There's different organizations that. You know, millions were given, and they built three houses.
0: Hey, uh, Chris, thanks for all the great work that you do with ESPA. Tell us uh, where uh, people can find that. Uh, it's spelled E-S-P-W-A. Uh, so where can they find information if they want to get involved or give?
5: Yeah, ESPA. We uh fortunate enough to have ESPA.com, so you can check that out. You can also look for us on Facebook. We have a pretty active page there, um, you know, giving you updates and Uh, You can find us there
0: Awesome Hey, uh, since you are A friend of the show We want to play A little game with you So you ready to play A little game? I like games right. so uh, we usually Have some type of game That we play with people And so uh, cue the music Here we go And uh, we're going to play This game this week Is going to be called Who Wins in a Fight? Okay. okay, so this but, is a, this is in honor of Civil War, the movie coming out this uh, this Friday. So we have uh, you know we have Brian, Iron Man versus Brian, Captain America's uh-huh. team. Uh, uh, so M-
5: Mark, I, I, Mark, I know you're a super nerd, man. Y- yes, he is <laughs> I
0: know a total right.
1: nerd. That's
0: right. Oh, I'm Spider Man um. geeking out because Spider Man's in this movie. So <laughs> I'm totally over the edge, man. I got my ticket already. I'm ready to go Thursday night. I'm going. What? So uh, okay, so we're gonna play nerd. who we're gonna play who wins in a fight with Chris Pipe? Not with Chris. We're gonna play it with. Chris Piper. We're not saying who would win. If they well, no. Dude, the dude. first question
3: is Mark or Chris? I mean, <laughs> so
0: if I fought Chris Piper, who would win? That's that's question. Uh, Piper. Money on Mark Piper.
5: 2016. Oh, oh, yeah. Wow. Well, it, I've been on the football
0: field with Piper, so we've gone at uh, it a we few play, times.
5: Yeah, yeah. My question is, is: It Mark when he had a mullet or Mark? Oh, I, I have a mullet, it bro. If oh. It
0: was a mullet. Was I don't mullet. understand why you deny this. <laughs> oh, okay. So. So here we go with uh, who wins in a fight, and this is according to Chris Pfeiffer and the rest of us. All right. So here we go. Captain, so in honor of Civil War, Captain America or Iron Man, who wins? Pfeiffer. Iron Man. Iron Man. He's going with Iron Man. Mike. Uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. Marv. Iron Man. John.
5: Iron Man. Oh, everybody's wow.
0: going with Iron Man. I'm going I'm to go with Spider Man. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I had to throw something in there. <laughs> so no, I'm going to go with Iron Man too. He just he would sit back and just shoot lasers and right. kill Captain America. We never even have to get close to him. So all he's got is that shield. So I'm going to go yeah. with Iron Man. Uh, okay, here we go. Number two, pipe Spider Man or Batman?
5: Um, Spider Man.
0: Uh, okay, Spider Man. Going with Peter Parker. All right, Marv batman oh come on Marv. why would you go with batman
1: dc oh well he's a dc guy i like the gadgets batman has so i'm going with the batman (laughs) oh come on you guys are ridiculous john
2: i'm going with the spidey thank you spider-man
0: not even close spider-man wins that one okay remember this is in a fight this is in a fight so here we go uh marv you want to ask
5: this one
3: yeah do you uh do you see donald trump or ted cruz winning in a fight
0: (laughs) not politically this is a uh, real fight.
5: Ted Cruz, man.
3: Mm-hmm. You're going to go with Cruz, why?
5: Yeah. Isn't he kind of a bigger dude than Trump?
3: Well, and Trump has everyone do everything for him anyway So Ted Cruz, you know, he's got to do it on his own
5: I mean, he got that kind of like, you know, evil look to him Oh, there we go
3: Anybody
1: else, Mike, you want to weigh in? I think it's Donald Trump That dude is mean (laughs) I mean, he's aggressive And he just can get I I would be afraid of him He's old, though I sold sold
0: Donald take down uh, Vince McMahon So I'm going to go with Donald Trump (laughs) Wow I'm going to go with Donald Trump John, what about you?
2: I think it's going to Donald Trump. I think he fights fights d- dirty and nasty. I All think. right,
0: looks looks like Donald Trump wins that one. Well,
3: you didn't ask me. I say Ted Cruz. Oh, so you're I'm, saying Ted I'm, Cruz. I'm on with Pipe Man. I got your back. Okay, Mike. You want to ask the next one?
1: Yes, Ronda Rousey or Hope Solo? Do you know who Hope Solo
0: is?
5: Yes, yeah, she's the goalie. Uh, Ronda or Rousey, Rousey or. R- Rhonda.
0: You go with Rhonda oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Mike. Well didn't Hope Solo built, beat up some dude? <laughs> she got
0: arrested <laughs> for beating up some guy.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go with Hope, dude. Hope Solo with a kick
0: to the head. Yeah, strong legs. To the I'm going head. I'm, going, I'm going, going Rhonda. Yeah, John. Uh Rhonda. Pipe, yeah. did you answer already? You went Rhonda. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. I'm gonna go Ronda Rousey. All right. Here we go. Number five: Justin Bieber or Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> Leonardo fought a bear, so I'm gonna go <laughs> Leonardo <laughs> and live. Le- Leonardo for sure. you yeah. Why are you going Leonardo?
5: He's. I mean, the beebs is. He's. He's younger, man. I mean, you know. You're not Le- a, be- you're not said, a believer. You know, I mean, wow. he got that old man sa- savvy to him. I'm going, you know, that old man strength.
3: I'm going Leonardo DiCaprio. To
2: right
3: <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going Leonardo. Even though he couldn't hold on long enough, he fell down and around That's true. Yeah. That's true. He did. He said, Rose, don't let me. Do
0: you ever notice that movie? He Rose says, I'll never let you go, Jack. And then she, lets well, go she, she, goes, she lets him go. What's the first thing she does? She lets him go. She lets him She's go She's such a
3: liar She's like He's I, dead I, I he want to tell you this. Would, lets
1: his carcass Go sink to the bottom Of the ocean I would stop my world To watch this fight <laughs> I would love <laughs> Bieber and it, DiCaprio Mike. I would love mm-hmm. it And I would go with Bieber Because he's younger And I think he's He's just around Some athletes I think they would Give him some schooling yeah.
0: Alright Here we go With number six Beyonce Or Sasha Fierce Or the Queen Versus Taylor Swift so Beyonce versus Taylor Swift. Pipe.
5: Beyonce,
3: man. <laughs> I go the same, man. Beyonce, yeah. she's, she's going to go after it's it.
2: Question. <laughs> I think Beyonce's got that one in there. T-Swizzle's <laughs> way Again, too Again, would,
3: I would
1: stop my world to see this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love if Beyonce would give a smackdown.
0: Oh, man. Oh, yes, man. Would. All right, that would number... be hilarious. Well, somebody got hit in an elevator, right? Oh, it yeah. Is. I mean, she's got that. She's got that kind of in her family there. she got that fight in the awesome. elevator. How about number seven, The Rock or Vin Diesel? So I just watched Furious 7, which is the most ridiculous movie. I watched it, like, yesterday, and and it's so ridiculous. But who would win? That's what made me think of this. Who would win, The Rock or Vin Diesel?
5: The Rock. They're
0: going with The Rock. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Rock? The Rock would destroy him.
3: Yeah, I say the Rock too. I mean, did you see him in Hercules? I mean, come on. Yeah, he was yeah, He was be- beat what about Rock versus Beyonce? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think Beyonce might take that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with the Rock too. Anybody else anybody else do everybody go? All right, everybody went. All right, in his prime, a Bruce Lee in his prime or Jackie Chan in his prime. We'll start with Mike. Ah, oh, Bruce Lee. All right, go. Bruce Lee. I said Enter, Enter the Dragon.
2: Enter the Dragon. Yep. Yeah, I'm okay. totally
0: Bruce Lee. Jackie Chan was all about comedy. Yep. Uh, he was actually a pretty serious fighter in, right, right. in those films. But when he came but. to America, they made him into a comedy act almost. Pipe, so. what about you? Who are you going with?
2: Uh Bruce Lee. Oh yeah.
0: Bruce Lee. Anybody else? John? Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, man, Bruce Boom. Lee swept that one. Okay, and the final one Sweep
2: the leg, sweep the leg.
0: Here we go, the final one. This is the ultimate battle. Godzilla or King Kong?
3: We'll go with Marv. Oh. Well, considering both of them are fake animals, uh, I, I say King Kong. <laughs> You're going King Kong? I'm going King Kong. Okay. All right. King Kong. Peter Jackson's King Kong was freaking ridiculous. All right. Just okay. saying. Okay. Yeah, which um,
2: King Kong are we talking about here? What the about, original or? Yeah. We're
0: talking about the uh, whatever King Kong you want. <laughs> <laughs> go, ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, John. Godzilla or King Kong? I got Kong? Godzilla. You yeah. got Godzilla? Fire-breathing
2: fire breathing giant dragon.
0: There yeah. you go. What about you, Pife?
2: I want to do Mothra. Ma-
0: <laughs> nice. You're going off the script. Mothra. Like, the Mothra tangles you all up. <laughs> and, and then just, I don't know what Mothra would do with you once they got you all.
1: What is a Mothra? Mothra? I don't, you, you don't know, know what Mothra no. is? No, bro,
0: you're... I'm out in the dark on I grew one. up watching Godzilla like Saturday morning. So did Pife. So with Mothra, it's like a big flying moth. Yeah. Awesome. You don't know this? No. You don't know this. You do not know pop culture. All right. <laughs> so who hasn't? Who hasn't gone? Me. I'm going to go with Godzilla. Not the not the really bad American Godzilla with Matthew Broderick in it, and that that Godzilla was ridiculous. But I'm going with the bad guy himself, Godzilla, who destroys all monsters. He's king of all monsters. So Godzilla for the That's win. Awesome.
1: How about LeBron James or Ben Roethlisberger? Oh
0: well, I'm a little anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little biased there, but I'm going to so go biased. with I'm going to go with Ben. Big ben. Love go Rod with ben. would tear him off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll edit that one out. <laughs> all right. Well, that has been Who Wins a Fight? Who Wins in a Fight with Chris Pfeiffer. Thanks for being with us, Chris. We appreciate you being on here. Thanks for all the great work that you do. And, uh, and we will uh, look forward to hearing some great stories about uh, the things you're doing in Haiti.
5: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Chris. Peace
0: out. All right. Take care. All right. We will be back here on Post-Christian Pastors. Stick around. Back here to wrap up things on Post-Christian Pastors. Great show, guys. Yeah, Yeah. Challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Makes you think, right? Yeah. Makes you think. And and we're trying to live out the message of Jesus. We're trying to live out the gospel in this world, in this post-Christian society. And we're trying to help. And one of the things that Jesus cared the most about was the poor. And the Bible talks more about the poor than almost everything else. And
1: and so we got to get this right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. That movie was very thought provoking. Uh, watched it the other night with my wife and was just challenged by that. Yeah, movie, for sure. Yeah,
3: I thought yeah. I thought it was a great idea of talking about the global issue of hurting the poor. You know, one of the things I want to wrestle with, uh, you know, on my own is, is how can we bring that down to our local level as well? Not just yeah. the global level. But yeah, it was an excellent show. And and the stuff that was brought by both our guests was fantastic. And I thought very thought provoking and challenging.
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
3: good stuff.
0: And uh, we were great to have great guests on. Chris was great talking about what he's doing on the ground there in Haiti and uh, some of the lessons that he's learned. And he's learned some very hard lessons the hard way. And we hope that by listening to this podcast, maybe you will think about how you give and how you help the poor. Absolutely. So it's been a good one. We're going to wrap it up here on Post Christian Pastors. Hey, we'd love to have you tell others about where they can find us. They can find us on Facebook at Post Christian Pastors and find out when we have new episodes coming up. You can download us on iTunes at uh, Post Christian Pastors. Just find us, download us, stream us, whatever you do, share it with your friends. It would be great. And we'd love having you aboard. Thanks for listening. We're glad you're here. And so we're about to be out like Marvin Dodgeball. Are you ready? Actually, right. I never
3: get out in dodgeball. <laughs>
1: average dodgeball player.
0: Uh, average. All right. There is no average. <laughs> Everybody say goodbye. 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 We're out. Take care.